couldn't come at a better time to have somebody else preach. Um, we've been talking about the Holy Spirit all year, and so when, when I invited Kyle, I was letting him know kind of where, 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 where the Lord has kind of been leading us, and so I, I have no doubt that uh, whatever he's going to speak on this morning uh, is going to be what the Lord wants to hear this morning. I've known Kyle for, well, we talked about it in here before, uh, Kyle, I've known him and his family for about 10 years. Uh, along, we had a mutual friend that kind of introduced us together uh, long before I was pastoring uh, at anything, not even youth pastoring. Uh, and we've known each other for a long time, done a lot of ministry with each other for a long time, uh, not only in other ministries that had nothing to do with Marble Falls, but eventually it would become a relationship as a youth pastor uh, to a student uh, missionary, basically, and and, uh, and and it's just been a great relationship over the past decade. One, it's been the iron sharpening iron, and and uh, it's no doubt I'm pretty radical, and so, like, I'm not the greatest friend maker amongst pastors, uh, and so anybody that remains my friend, I got to hang on to them for, like, their gold because uh, I don't tend to keep a lot of friends. I'm so uh, strong in my beliefs. Uh, uh, I don't know if anybody else has experienced that. My idea is that if you're here at this church, you probably have experienced that. <laughs> um, but um, it, he, I've watched his ministry over the over the last decade, and uh, one of the things um, that uh, that has allowed us to be friends is his heart towards kingdom work and uh, uh, his heart uh, towards um, resourcing and helping other pastors and seeing. Um, and being able to be uh, versatile in that area, it's hard. It's hard to help and resource pastors. Pastors are hard to get together. They're hard to organize, believe it or not. Um, they're hard to get them to work together. And, and Kyle, for the last decade, has spent a lot of time making or helping and teaching pastors how to work together. And um, it's not, as a person who's done it here in Marble Falls, it's hard. I don't like like it sometimes. And, but but I am a kingdom-minded individual above even uh, uh, organization or uh, building as we know it or whatever. I'm kingdom-minded, and I see that in Kyle's ministry. And uh, I've gotten to know his family. I've watched his kids grow up. Uh, they used to be tiny uh, when I came around, and uh, they are growing up. It's neat to see them. I remember when they weren't the teenagers in the house. They were just little kids running around camp and uh, being funny because they were kids. And uh, I've watched... Uh, just his whole family grew up, and he's also watched mine. Uh, it, it, we start to talk now, we both feel old now, right? Kyle is a dinosaur in youth ministry, and, and this, you laugh, that's the truth. Like, you know, he's probably 10 years older than every youth pastor he meets just about, and, and, and my mentor, the funny thing is the mentor that really brought us together, you know, he's just two years younger than me, and he's still doing youth ministry. And I'm like, dude, you're like old, you, you have, like, grown-up kids. What are you still doing youth ministry? We used to make fun of the guys that were that old still doing youth ministry. He's like, yeah, I know. Now we've become it, right? And so, uh, uh, man, hats off. Because if, if God has got you called there, God equips you to be there, and, uh, and he'll bless you in those areas. And Kyle's been fortunate in that area. So I'm going to quit bragging on him because uh, he, he's really good at bragging on himself. And uh, <laughs> I, that's the glorious. I have a microphone, too. You have one, but you're not using it yet. See, when I sit down, I know it's all him. So... I know it's coming back at me, so. Uh, but without without further ado, I'll, uh, Kyle Embry, uh, Youth Alive Missionary. Yeah. Well, good morning. It is good to be at Marble Falls Mosaic Church. Uh, 
Oh, what Jim, Pastor Jim said yes, yes to all that. Yes to the memories, yes to the good times. I always, I always now get sentimental coming to places like this because I think about like when my daughter was just literally two years old and there was the old grasshopper place that had the mini golf. Do y'all remember that? Anybody remember that? Yeah. I took her there and we got an ice cream afterwards and all this. And now she's going into high school and it's just time flies, right? And we can look back on all those memories. But what I love about coming to Marble Falls and being with you guys is the family feel, the, the, the spirit of God that I just feel right now so strongly in this room amongst people that are hungry for God to move not only in your own life, but the lives that are around you. I, I love coming because it brings back so many memories, but it challenges me as well when I come and I sit amongst you and we get to hang out with the raw family books and the the herbal healing books and all this stuff. We get to hang around this stuff, but but together we get to sharpen each other and, and, and it's so powerful to see what God has done. I remember I remember starting way back in 2009, 2008, when I first met Jim and Joy Corsi, and we were down off where he was talking about. The first time I ever met him was down off the little river there, or the lake, as you guys call it, and we were at the community center. I had no idea. I had no idea what God would do, and you guys being faithful supporters this year, we marked 10 years for Youth Alive, and so a part of what we're doing right now, we literally just got them in the mail, so I'm excited. We just created these like 10-year memory books to say thank you to all of our churches and supporters and pastors. On the back, it has a picture of my family. It says thank you, and inside are all of these like graphics and details and stats and letters and all the people who have ever traveled with me as an intern that I've got to pour in their lives, picture of our first car, now our second car. And I just wanted to read you some of the stats because you guys have been so faithful to support, so faithful to pray for us along the way. And I'm not bragging on ourselves. I'm bragging on God and a whole lot of people that have been there. Listen, in the schools over the last 10 years, really eight years, because those first couple years were raising support, building relationships, we've been able to speak to over 182,000 students in public schools. We've done over 236 school assemblies, 66 seven projects. That's pretty awesome. And two of those 66 were right here in Marble Falls. And still to this date, some of my favorite ones that we've done. Over 6,038 salvations, 733 church services, 10 campus missionary trainings, six missions trips that we've led, taking students across the country and around the world, 17 youth camp, over 356,000 miles, and we've had over 2,500 resource downloads on our website, like Pastor Jim said, of helping youth pastors do things they could not do on themselves. And here's, here's why that's important. Here's why that gets me excited. 10 years ago, I would have never thought we would have helped resource youth pastors the way we have but God just opened up this creativity inside of us to do that and here's why I like it because what Pastor Jim said is correct youth pastors change out every 12 to 18 months I promise you you can set your clock to it they come and they go just over the last two weeks since the beginning of the year we've already transferred five to six of them out and we're looking for new ones in different cities across just Texas in that statistic as well amongst most churches 80 to 85% of them have a part-time to, part to volunteer youth pastor. Does that make sense? So it's not someone full-time coming to get a paycheck, getting to do that 24-7. They're working as 
plumbers, they're working as school teachers and bus drivers, and they're in the community doing all kinds of stuff, and they come alongside and doing student ministry as a part-time job. I think that's pretty noble and pretty heroic, because a lot of people would just rather come home and watch rerun Duck Dynasty, right, instead of having to mess with the kids. But we do have a problem, right? What Pastor Jim was saying, student culture today is, as we would go in an old school term, going to hell in a handbasket. It seems hopeless. It seems lost. And that's why 40-year-old, balding, middle-aged white guys stay in it. This is why we stay in it, so that we can see a generation change the world. And this is what I've said a million times. We call this generation the church of, of the church of tomorrow, but they're not the church of tomorrow. They're the church of today. And this is what we say about the older generation as well, and this is what makes me mad because I love some old people. I love some old people. I love getting and hearing their stories. I love and getting in and just hearing and tasting who they are. And this is what they say about the older church, that they're the church of yesterday. But they're not either. The church of yesterday is the church of today, and the church of tomorrow is today. And you take the old and the young, and together they become the church of today because we need both. We need both. We need both in the church today. And that's why we're so hungry to keep going after schools. You say, Kyle, you, you talked a lot about what's happened in the last 10 years. Well, can I just tell you what happened just for a moment in the last two weeks? Like, these have not even updated since then. Just in the last two weeks, we've been up to Wichita Falls in a town just west of there called Iowa Park and Electra. Two small little kind of, if you will, suburbs of Wichita Falls, and they were some of my favorite ever. Like, I get to go up into this school, and there's like 250 kids in the entire middle school and high school, and they don't get people like us coming in, talking the way we talk, and they're just flabbergasted at how someone would come to Electra, Texas. Many of you have been through those towns. If you go to Colorado, you go to New Mexico, you drive out that way. Just this last week, just four days ago, we were in Cleburne, Texas, which is not too incredibly far from here. Just up the road, 281, take a ride on 67, and you're in Cleburne. Right there in Cleburne, Texas, we just had on Wednesday night, the, as the youth pastors would tell me, the largest student assembly, if you will, that's ever been done in that city as, as long as they can remember. We had 421 students come back to our night service to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Right there in Wichita Falls, we had over 250 to 75 come back at that night. And they're saying this is the largest assembly that we've had of young people that come together, not in a school, but at a night where it's volunteer and we can talk about Jesus Christ. And let me tell you, I'm going to keep it really nice and, and just good with you guys this morning. But when you put me up in a school and you let me go at it, I will yell and scream and go so nuts for Jesus that I will lose my voice. In fact, I told my daughter the first time I was here in Marble Falls, we went to the feed store up here that is now closed and we had a little lunch after our four assemblies. I couldn't talk. You remember that, Pastor Jim? I had zero voice. I had to text message one of my guys my notes for the night because I'm like, you're preaching. I just stupidity lost my voice and now I can't preach tonight. Well, I've learned my lesson along the way to make sure I keep it on pace and balance so that I can preach that night service. But to God be the glory, and on Wednesday night of this week, we saw 48 students, 48 come down to a gym floor, not a church service, not an altar, to respond to the message of Jesus Christ. And here's what I say. Someone asked me, how did Cleburne go just a couple of nights ago? I said, it it was a little bit like the New England Patriots last Sunday, remember? It was like three quarters. It was like all hell breaking loose, and it was hard fought, and it didn't look like they were going to win. And all of a sudden, in the last moment, in the last second, Brady and his boys, they came back 
and they won the game. And they were walking out. You, you may not have seen this, but on social media, Brady and Gronk, they post this video, and they were walking out just going like this. They weren't even saying a word, and that's what happened in Cleveland. I was walking out, too, on Wednesday night going. Why? Because the first three quarters was horrible. I got to be honest. Some of our hardest school assemblies we've ever done because of environment, school gym, sound system, kids in the last assembly in the afternoon were obnoxious and they were talking and they were going crazy and the teachers weren't keeping them like behaving well. And I was like, dude, I'm quitting. I'm done with this. I'm going to go pastor a church and be all boring, right? And <laughs> see if you caught that. And God showed up in the fourth quarter. And even in the midst of that night service, I went all the way to the top of the bleachers, and it was way up there. I went to the top. There's some of my other guys doing stuff, and I just I was like, listen, I was like, man, these kids aren't even paying attention. They're talking. They're screwing around on their phones. They're playing, you know, grab tail with each other. And I was like, God, you got to do something. I'm about to speak in 10 minutes, and this is about to get real, real in here. You've got to transform this atmosphere in mind right now. And God, in the final seconds, did. And here's one quick story. There was a young lady a young lady there who's trying to identify as a guy. And when one of our guys approached her, she said that her name was Anthony. And this is the culture we're living in now. In little Cleburne, Texas, this young lady that comes up that is clearly a girl that says that she's Anthony. She was mad. She was frustrated. She was upset that this Christian event came to her school. And she was going to tell somebody about it. I'm just sick of this Jesus stuff. And she was going all crazy about it. One of our guys caught and intercepted and began to talk to her and says, what are you upset about? And he begins to walk her through some scriptures and gave her some books and research. She was taking notes in her phone. And then she followed one of my friends, Taylor, you know, Taylor Johnson. She followed him on the Twitter and the Instagram, and they were all there together, right? And the next day, this was really cool, he sent me a text message of a screenshot of what she posted on her social media, and it said, some really nice guys came into my school last night and talked about Christianity. I wasn't happy in the beginning, but once they talked to me and walked me through, I am very interested in their Christianity now, smile on my face, looking forward to researching and finding out more about this Jesus. Yes. And that's what it's about, isn't it? Not us expecting them to come to us, but us going to them. And this is why Balding Millage White Guy still loads up my truck and loads up my trailer and goes from town to town to town to town. And trust me, I could have already pastored 10 churches. I could have already had so many other jobs. It's because on Wednesday nights, we get to go in and see life change among young people, and they are hungry. You know how they're hungry? Because most of the time they have no hope. You know why they're hungry? Because most of the time they don't have direction. You know why they're hungry? Because they don't have an adult, a parent, a grandma or a grandpa that helps guide them along the way. And I just wanted to take in the first few moments this morning, I could talk all day about it, of course, but I just wanted to say thank you for helping us go. Just this week, this coming week, we get to load up and we get to go to a town kind of up in the Midwest, south of Waco there, called Grosbeck. You may have heard of Grosbeck. It was our first time to go to Grosbeck, and they're so excited for us to come. The next week, we go up to like Paris, Texas area, to a little town most of you have never heard of called Bogota. We're going to Bogota, Texas. Anybody been to Bogota before? Anybody? Nope, nope, nope. I hadn't either until a couple weeks ago. Went up to preach there to get everything ready to go for that assembly, and it's in the middle of nowhere. And we're going to drive up there, and we're going to see God move. And this is what I love to do. I love to go to places that no one else will go to. I love to speak 
and to challenge and to bring heart and life. Hello, how are y'all? Very, very good. It happens at least once a Sunday, right? Yes. Yes. So thank you. And I wanted to show, uh, in fact, I want to show just a quick video of this time last year so that you can see. Some of you may not have ever seen before what we get to do. This is a snapshot from a year ago in Terrell, Texas, hometown of Pastor Jim. And then as I begin to speak, just this last story, uh, Mr. Jared there, if you'll just put those pictures behind me scrolling, I failed to mention that. Just these would be some of the snapshots of what we were at over the last six months, Texarkana, Springtown, Crum, different places like that. Can I just tell you that right now, when it seems like, uh, Pastor Jim said, dinosaurs become extinct, right? When it seems like things might be extinct, uh, God is opening up more and more doors today than he ever has. Listen, this last semester in the fall, we did eight to nine, seven projects. This semester already, we're doing eight to nine again. And I've already, I was talking to Pastor Jim last night about maybe us coming back to Marvel Falls in the spring. And I was so excited to say, I was so excited to say that guess what? Guess what? I've only got like two or three open dates in the fall already. We're only in January of us already being booked in the schools and booked into going to places. So God is doing more now than he even was 10 years ago. And you can see this was, you can pause it right there. Go back to that one right there. Uh, this was in Texarkana at a middle school right there called Texas Middle School. Over 17, 1,800 students all piled in. Pastor Jim, it took them 45 minutes to get them all in the gym. And I said, they're a grown man hair into my arms. I was sitting there crying. I had to go over to the side where our projectors were, and I was crying. You know why I was crying? Because I was like, dude, this is ridiculous. Like, these guys right here are taking 45 minutes to bring them into a gym. For what? To hear me and my, my friend Taylor talk. I'm not that good. Like, this is ridiculous. Why are all these kids coming to hear us talk and it hit me to think about all like this when this this idea really was birthed in my heart all the cities all the places all the school gymnasiums and all the auditoriums that we have filled up over the last 10 years I was so humbled to go God only only because of you only because you paved the way only because you put a dream inside only because of you and then go to that football stadium right there this was a night service that we partnered up with FCA and fields of faith, and this is one of the biggest nights, and I gotta tell Pastor Jim the story later, it's not for this morning, but one of the biggest nights, 4,300 students filled up a whole football stadium, and I've already got three of those on booked for the fall, a partner with FCA and Youth Alive and us coming together and filling up football stadiums. And that night, 250 accepted Jesus Christ. You see that there along the way. The quick story about Terrell is this, and I gotta finish, I gotta, I've already talked long enough on Youth Alive, I get excited. But when we're in Terrell, Pastor Jim, the principal gets up at the end, 
This is one of the best things that ever happened. He gets up and he goes into his students. He starts preaching. He talks about his childhood. He's like, man, what these guys just talked about is what you need to hear. And it's what happened to me. And he goes into like a little testimony of his whole life and he's just preaching. And you could feel it. No, they didn't really know what it was, right? But you could feel the convicting, the just gripping power of God in that room that day. Not night. That day there in the assemblies where the teacher's administration also got behind what we were saying. And you could feel just the the wave of God's presence over that room as that principal spoke about life and future and staying out of trouble. Or these students today, they just want to get in trouble, don't they? Amen. So thank you. Thank you so much. I could talk all morning for helping us go, helping us do stuff just like this. It truly makes a difference. Amen. Father, I thank you for uh, just a moment to be able to spend and share. I thank you for the opportunity to be here this morning with such great friends and family. And I pray, God, that you would just help me in these next few moments. So I communicate as they're in the middle of a, as a, a series on the Holy Spirit. Lord, what a great, what a great moment that they're going to be able to spend this year learning about Acts and all of the accomplishments that you did through the Holy Spirit, through your disciples and your people, your sons and daughters. Lord, help me this morning. Think through my mind. Speak through my vocal cords. It may be all of you, I pray. May the Spirit come and quicken us to live this life, this book of Acts life. May it quicken us as we move into the supernatural life. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said? Amen, amen, amen. Let's open our Bibles. Um, if you have your phones, your Bibles, I'm going to do something a little different this morning because we are a little bit family. I don't feel like I have to preach so hard to you as far as like being exuberant and crazy and running all over the place. I wanted to be a little bit more of a teacher this morning as we looked about the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts. I want you to turn with me to John chapter 20. We're going to look 19 through 23. And we're actually going to look at five different passages of scripture this morning, and it'll go quick. I'm going to just walk you through some scriptures this morning on the Holy Spirit. And isn't it funny that in the church today, I don't know if you've been to other churches, you guys have been locked here a long time, but I find it funny that often in the church, the pastor or the speaker often excuses or wants forgiveness for sharing so much scripture. Isn't that funny? Like, this is the word of God. It's more powerful than anything I or any other preacher could say. But yet, sometimes we apologize for reading so much scripture. Or even sometimes we'll come, and I understand why we do it at points, but we'll be like, I'm just going to read this little part and go home and read the rest. When if we just read that, that is the power and that is the life. And I'm making no apologies this morning. I'm going to read you a lot of scripture together. That's why you got to have your phone and your Bible out, because I believe the power of the supernatural is found in scripture. Amen? A couple nights ago, me and my kids were reading through as we do. We're trying to read through the Bible every day. There's some days we miss. You know, we got grace there. There's some days we miss. I'm on the road. They're not there. My daughter, my daughter right here, Mallory, she's in the eighth grade. She, with the Bible, there's a lot of good on these phones, right? A lot of good, a lot of bad, a lot of bad. But there is good. And her and I are synced up on the Bible app to read it chronologically through the Bible every single day. So she can see when I read, I can see when she reads, and she'll read the sucker, when, even when I'm not there, she'll read it in homeroom at school. She'll read it before school. She'll read it when she gets home. And I'm so proud of my daughter for taking the word of God and putting it in her heart. So in that, we were reading together Mark 7. And I came across this part that I believe opens and introduces this topic of the Holy Spirit. Jesus was traveling, and he was going to this region called Tyre and Sidon, Tyre and Sidon, and it said that he was going to go into this house and withdraw for a little bit. Actually, I want to read it to you in Mark chapter 7, because it's so stinking powerful. 
Mark 7, I got it marked right here. Mark 7, it says this. That he entered a house and did not want anyone to know, yet he could not be hidden. Do you like that? I don't know, I've read that passage of scripture so many times before, and I've seen it, and I just kind of breezed over it because I wanted to get to the good part, the supernatural part, where he healed this lady's daughter who was possessed by a demon, this Syrophoenician woman. That's like the highlight of the story. Like, oh, man, she says, but even the dogs get the crumbs from the table. And it was this great moment of faith, wasn't it? But I missed always this front part where it says Jesus was going to withdraw. He was going to maybe go for a little bit of private retreat. And then there was this comma there, and it says, yet he could not be hidden. And I thought, that's what our culture is trying to do today with Jesus, aren't they? But not only him, but sometimes us, we keep Jesus hidden from our friends, from our families, from the people over at Super Taco, for the people down at the Holiday Inn and the Walmart and the people we come in contact with. We sometimes are the worst at it where we hide Christ when we should what? Open him up and expose him to the world around us. The supernatural power that's contained in him of forgiveness and hope and life and all these miracles and supernatural strength, sometimes our greatest thing often becomes our most hidden thing. Why? Because sometimes, just to be honest, it's awkward. Sometimes, I know in a political world where Jesus needs to be under the covers and in your own little rooms, like we're afraid to let him out. And yet I believe that in a world today and all the politics and government shutdowns and all the religions and all the stuff that ours, ours shines the brightest that Muslims are coming to Christ, that ISIS is going away, that Hindus are finding him, that atheists are waking up and becoming enlightened, that I truly believe that, just as Mark says, he cannot be hidden. And yet that's what the world's trying to do, isn't it? Even some of our churches, we got to be honest, and some of this new age Christianity, they're trying to hide Jesus. I've been to some churches, I've been to some places, and it's more like a good advocate, motivational message than Bible and word and Christ. And in all of our attempts throughout the generations with all the crazy leaders, no one's been able to hide him, have they? And yet when we look, Pastor Jim, at what you said earlier, what are we going to do with the young people? What are we going to do with students? How are we going to change it? Where is it going to go? we got to go back to the foundations of Christ cannot be hidden. Amen? So let's go. John chapter 20. This is what it says, verse 19. On that evening of day, the first day of the week, the doors were being locked where the disciples had been, for they were what? Afraid of the Jews. You see this? I just read Mark 7 where Jesus cannot be hidden. And look what just happened. Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. You see this moment that Jesus and the disciples were having were after, was after he had been dead and buried and resurrected. So he was coming back in spirit, in physical form. And the disciples were what? They were being hidden. They, they were afraid of the Jews, and Jesus walks in and says, peace be with you. Verse 20 said that when he had said this, he showed up to them and showed him his hands and his side. And the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. The, Jesus said again to them, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he 
breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. For if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. And if you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Let's look at this context of the story for a minute. The disciples were hidden and they were afraid because this faith that they had was potentially going to be what? Destroyed by some outside force. But Jesus came through the walls of the room and he shows up and he says, not once but twice, peace be with you. And to me, I got to be honest with you, such a statement to such a strong, bold, hairy man like myself seems so soft. But in a world full of turmoil and pain, we still need to take those words that Jesus spoke, not once but twice, peace be with you. We need peace. Peace in a turned up world. And then he says this, I am sending you. Whoa, 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 what was he sending us to do? All that he had previously done. He'd already showed them for three and a half years all the miraculous power of work inside, but he was now sending them, as Pastor Jim's been talking to you since the first of the year, he was sending them now not with him by them sides, but he was sending them out with the same presence and same power, the same supernatural strength that was upon his life to now go. He said, I'm sending you out in the name of the Father through the Spirit's strength. Are you following me? So this is now adopted into our lives as the mandate for us as well. Upon them he breathed and they received the Holy Spirit. I just put in my Bible, just, just kind of teaching a little bit here, a couple of notes. I, st- I like to write in my Bible a little bit, not a lot, but I write, wrote in there at the top, I said this was a generational exchange. From one generation to the next, and there's three things there. The number one, he showed them the scars. Number two, he sent them in Jesus' name. And number three, to then speak with the power and live in the Spirit. And isn't that the same thing we have to do, Pastor Jim, with the generations that are follow us? Don't be afraid of your scars. Don't be afraid of your weaknesses in those things because those things reveal the character and the grace and mercy of God to take us from brokenness to now resurrected power. Jesus said, hey, come on, come on, look at the nail piercings on my ankles and on my wrist. If you, if you will see this, through this pain now we go in victory. So this becomes our really sending moment throughout generations. Show them the scars, send them in Jesus' name, and then speak in the Spirit. I want to jump over to John chapter 14, just giving you, I told you some scripture this morning. He shows us then that exchange, that we're to go in the Spirit, but I wanted to back up to John 14 to see what the Spirit was, his role. I know you've already been talking about it, but I wanted to bring it from a different perspective this morning. Verse 12 in chapter 14, when you're there, say there. Okay, truly, truly, I say to you, this is Jesus talking to the disciples again. These were months before he showed them the scars. That whoever believes in me also, well, let me start over. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, And greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. He's already talking about his ascent into heaven, isn't he? That ascent then gives us the power that then releases the Spirit. Verse 13, whatever you ask for in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Ask of me of anything in my name, and I will do it. Pretty powerful little passage of Scripture, isn't it? 
So Jesus goes away. He releases the spirit. All authority and power is there. And then now we can walk out in his name and ask for anything. Oh, I want a Lamborghini. No, 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 no. Anything according to the will of the Father that what? Produces fruit amongst men, that brings people together, that is for the edification of the body. Then he said the statement in there. He says, greater works than these will you do. I've often thought about that. How can you get greater than what Christ did? He raised the dead. How can you get better than opening blind eyes? How can you get better than walking to a region or a city and everyone being healed? How can you get better than walking on water in all the great miracles that I could walk through of what Jesus, how could you get better than that? How can there be greater? Not greater in miracle, but greater in numerical that as the disciples went out with a multiplied exponential increase, there would be more and more of them done besides just one man doing them. Are you seeing what I'm saying? We can't get greater in the miracles. He did them at the highest level. But what we can do is to, what he's saying, I'm giving you the spirit to go out in now my name, and we will exponentially grow the kingdom greater that now it's happening in green bay wisconsin and miami florida and la and marble falls and austin texas and south america and australia and india and asia and greater are we doing why because we have believed in his name by the spirit and then watch this verse 15 if you love me he's still talking my Bible breaks it up and says Jesus promises the Holy Spirit, but he didn't say that. He just kept talking, didn't he? He said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. I then will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Everybody say forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But I like this. This is my favorite part. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. But what Jesus was doing here in 14 was setting them up for what? The death and the resurrection and for him to ascend to the right hand of the Father. And he was trying to get this helper, this Holy Spirit to come in and be in them and with them. You getting that? Now, this is a little different than the way I was raised. I was raised uh, in a super Holy Ghost fire Pentecostal church. I mean, we'd run around the church. We would jump up and down. We had tambourines bouncing off every wall. I don't know about y'all. We had services four and five hours. I get mad at kids today. They're like, man, church is so long, and it's like 45 minutos. I'm like, what are you talking about? We started at six and was done at 10 we had church like crazy back then, and often back then, I don't know if it was ever intentional or something we adapted. It was as if the Holy Spirit was our weapon, like it was in our pocket to use always for someone else. My youth pastor would get up. He'd be like, you're going to take the Holy Spirit and go and stand up on your cafeteria table and preach up a fit. You're going to take him to your football team, your soccer team. And it was always if in context of the Holy Spirit, it was for someone else. That's not what John 14 says. He says that the Holy Spirit is first and foremost for me. Why? Because he's 
in me and then with me. He's in me when I'm going through loss and trauma. He's going through me when I'm having an emotional day. The Holy Spirit is there as my protector and comforter and my confidant. He is that encouragement, that paraclete, as it's translated into the original language, that someone who is there inside of me, but he's also next to me. He's with me as I go into Walmart and Waffle House. He's with me as I go to Super Taco. He's with me as I'm filling up with gas. And he's with me when I'm in the craziest moments of my life, my family reunions. The Holy Spirit's role in our life is in us and with us. And he says it so powerfully, I will not leave you as orphans. I will, I will, I will come to you. For what? Greater. That's what we're talking about this morning, isn't it? That supernatural, that supernatural power of the greater things that we cannot do ourselves. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is with us. This is his role in our life, to be with us us and in us but we get tripped up sometimes and we want to move over to uh first corinthians chapter 12 i'm sorry first corinthians chapter 14 you swing over there with me because often we get hung up on the if i could just put it like this the sexy side of the spirit so if that was the holy spirit's role in our life then we've got to look at these gifts and sometimes the gifts are more glamorized than the role I need the role of the Holy Spirit in my life more than I need the gifts, all right? So in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, for some reason I put 14 in my notes, but it is 12. 1 Corinthians 12, it says this in verse 4. Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. A variety of service, but the same Lord. It all comes back to the same root, doesn't it? There are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. So who's serving it out? Where does it come from? It comes from God who delivers and dishes out the Holy Spirit. It's as if we're, my man right here, what was your name? Matthew. We were just talking a little bit ago about the Mavericks right now, right? The Mavericks got this new guy. His name's Luka Doncic. He's like from Croatia, and he is the superstar of the NBA, 19 years old. Luka can not only shoot the three, can get the buzzer beater, but he knows how to dish it out to his players. He can find DeAndre Jordan down low for an alley-oop dunk at almost a, a, you're like, no way, no way. Boom! Alley-oop dunk. Because why? Luka Doncic is dishing out this this ball, and this is what God is doing to us. He's saying, if you will walk in me, you'll see greater, and I'm going to dish you out an alley-oop. I'm going to dish you out a pass so that you can shoot the three. I'm going to dish out the spirit to you so that you can see results in your life. He empowers them all, and this is what it says, to each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. For one is given through the spirit of utterance wisdom, through another knowledge, according to the same spirit, to another faith by the same spirit, to another healing by the one spirit, to another the working of miracles. There's a supernatural things that are coming. To another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirit, or we call that discernment, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of those tongues. Verse 11 says, these are all empowered. There's that word empowered again, dishing out like Luka Doncic, right? He's dishing them out to all and one the same spirit who appoints to each one individually as he wills. We looked at the role of the spirit, and now we're looking at the gifts of the spirit. 
Sometimes I think it's though we take these gifts and we try to put them on ourselves like we're some Marvel comic heroes. So, or I think it's also another branch, DC comic hero. I don't know. I don't get up in all that. But it's almost as if we're this superhero, Captain America, Iron Man, face mask man, whatever. I know you made a really cool one in year and I forget his name. But it's almost like we turn into this person. But it's... It's not superhero in us. I was laying in bed this morning not wanting to wake up my daughter. I was laying there, just my eyes open. I was praying. I was looking up to heaven. I was saying, God, what do you want to say? What do you want to do? And, and, and these scriptures came into my mind, and I just started thinking about it like this. A lot of times when we want to operate in the supernatural with the power of those spirit as Jesus sent us, a lot of times the credit comes more on us than it does him. It's just all of a sudden we become Captain America Pentecostal dude, like whatever, right? And, and it draws the attention to us. And that's not what it's about. We all are still broken, weak, fragile men and women that have, if you will, a toolbox of the Holy Spirit that we carry with us that we use when needed, upon arrival, amidst our family, in conflict. Are you following me? It's like we have natural, and we've heard this before, and I know it's a little cheesy. We have natural, and over here we have super. I'm not all that super, and neither are you. But when we carry, I, got, I don't have like a nice toolbox like most grown men. I have one of those Home Depot buckets that you put the like little sleeve around it. You put the hammer, the little... Uh, uh, screwdrivers and the little hacksaws and all that stuff. And inside, I got like my drills and all that. So I've got what I call a tool bucket. And I carry that bucket. And I think of it like this with the Holy Spirit with each of these nine gifts. Those are in my bucket. You following me? Those are in my bucket. They're at my disposal to use at any time and any moment as the Lord wills and wants to as I encounter people in my life. And those supers go on top of my natural, and it produces a supernatural result. But I'm not supernatural. You following me? But I got super with my natural. Is that good? Because God wants to use us all in each of these, I believe, at different moments of our life. And I know there's conflicting beliefs on this kind of stuff, that some are just for wisdom, and some are just for prophecy, and some are just for healings. But I got to tell you, I, I just can't operate in one because life is scary and messy enough. I need all. There's times I need wisdom for my daughter. There's times I need healing for my aunt. There's times that I need to be able to distinguish spirits in a business or ministry conflict. There are times when I'm going to need each of them in my tool bag, and I don't have time to go in and teach on all of them. I know Pastor Jim will in the weeks to come, but each of these have their own beautiful blossoming power that each of them are for us and we carry them with us everywhere we go but this is the problem isn't it the problem with us is that so often our attention is not upon using the toolbox or the tool bag or the tool bucket on others it's usually upon who we're usually always focused upon us and yet these gifts are for us, but they're always with us. 
Most of the time, we're so American selfish that we're thinking, how does my breast smell? Does my hair look great? Does my butt look fat in these jeans? Like, oh, man, I got, I got to get home and change the oil in my car, and I got to eat some enchiladas, and I got three episodes of Duck Dynasty that still haven't been watched, and we're just thinking about all the stupid stuff, right, instead of looking at the problems in front of us. And if we will look and put our attention upon others, God will show us that these supers can be placed upon our natural and we can see cancers fall off. We can see blinded eyes healed. We can see the dead raised. We can see the most impossible people that you never thought would ever come to Christ come to Christ, which is the greatest miracle. This morning, my daughter and I were at the Holiday Inn Express. We got up and we ate breakfast. There's a lot of people in there, and most of most of them were white. Most of them were white, and uh, you know, middle aged, maybe a little older in age. Most of them were white, and yet over here in the corner, there was a Middle Eastern family that was there. They had the clothing on, and they had the kids, and they were watching the same shows that my kids would have watched when they were little, and they were eating the same. Uh, muffins and orange juice, and the Lord just broke my heart right there. And it's like, Kyle, we want to stereotype so bad that those are different people that don't belong. And the Lord just, I just prayed for them. I, I should have probably got up and preached to them and maybe opened a Bible, but I didn't. But I said a prayer for that family because God loves them just as much as he loves me. My attention's got to be off myself and upon them, even in a hotel breakfast nook. Are you following me? This is the supernatural power that comes and works through us. Not, not us. It works through us because it's him. All right, last story, last story. Acts chapter 3. I know I've already went a little long here. But in Acts chapter 3, we're going to worship. Acts chapter 3, this is totally lived out. Are you following me? And I'm not going to read the whole thing, or maybe I will. Uh, this whole thing is lived out what I've just talked to you about. I'm going to read it. In John chapter 3, let's look there. Verse 1, it's just 10 verses. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. A man was lame from birth, was being, and a man there was lame from birth, was being carried. And on me, lame there, I'm not talking about like he played on Facebook all day or he was on Instagram. Like he was lame, like couldn't walk, right? Okay, I just want to make sure we're clear on that. That lay daily at the gate that is the temple called the beautiful and ask alms every day of those who are entering. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. Peter directed his gaze at him as did John and said, look at us. He fixed his attention on them expecting to receive something from them. What was he expecting? Some quarters, some dollar bills, maybe a debit square transaction. I don't know what he's looking for, but he was looking for some physical things. And Peter turned to him and said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand, raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. This dude leaped up, stood, and began to walk. And I like this. We miss this because we often get so excited about the miracle. This lame man, not lame as in he played on Facebook all day, but as lame as in he couldn't walk. He stood up and began to jump and dance, and he went crazy all over the place. And we stopped there. But watch what happens. He got up, began to walk, and he entered the temple with them, leaping now and praising God. And all the people saw him and walked and praised and recognized the one that this, this was the dude that always sat at the gates. And they were all filled with wonder and awe at what had happened that day. Are you following me what just happened? 
a lot of researchers and scholars that are way better than I am, they, they believe that Peter and John probably walked by this normal local dude hundreds of times. It was the disciples' role and behavior to go daily, sometimes multiple times a day, into the gate to worship, to pray, to read scriptures, to give honor to God. And there's no telling how long this guy had been sitting there and how many times they had walked by him. Got to make sure we make that meeting and totally ignore him. I'm going to get home and feed the kids. Oh, we got pancakes on the... Uh, we, uh, there are all the excuses, right, that we have in our world today to walk by people and completely miss them. But watch this. This was right after what Pastor Jim had been talking to you in Acts 1 and 2, and there was a switch. The Holy Spirit had now come and filled Peter and John and these disciples, and now their attention went from inward to outward, and they were looking. Tell how many times they had missed him before, but this time they didn't miss him. They saw him and they looked down at him and said, whoa, 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 whoa. I should have brought my Home Depot bucket. <laughs> Y'all would have been really unimpressed at my selection of tools. <laughs> but he says, I don't have silver and gold, but what I do have. But what I do have. I give to you in the name of Jesus. In whose name? In my name? Oh, did you see me? I'm a superstar on Twitter now. Oh, I'm preaching all over the world. Oh, I'm just great, amazing, celebrity Christian. No, 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 he didn't, he didn't say anything about him. What I do have is super, and I put it with my natural, and I now got supernatural power to give you life. In whose name? Jesus' name, to get up and walk. And like for the first time, oh, this is, I, I wish I could have been there. For the first time, Peter saw someone healed that wasn't done by Jesus, that was done through Jesus with him. Think about it. Peter had been walking the earth with Jesus for three and a half years and saw Jesus do all this. And now for the first time in Acts chapter 3, he had done it without Jesus physically present. Jesus was with him through the Spirit and the Spirit calls this guy, and this is what I love, he gets up and he shouts and cheers, and he comes inside the church, because that's where miracles belong, don't they? No, 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 I'm not talking about have to be done here, but the power of the miracle is that they get into a family, that they get into church. Miracles are there, not just for people to get healed and, and have great legs now and have bodies of Greek gods, no, 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 like, like, it's for the body and betterment of Christ's supernatural power is to build this, to build brotherhood and sisterhood and for us to grow. And they get saved over the Texaco, but now they're coming straightway to church. He came straight into the church. He didn't go home, post it on Facebook, and then go off and work as a pool guy. No, no, no. He came straight into the church and praised God. And I see got connected to the family, and it was a not only miracle, but what was salvation. Miracles should point us generationally to the salvation of our families and our brothers and our sisters. It should all point back to God. Are you following me? So now we take our tool bags, our tool boxes, and we go and put that super on our natural. Because what did Jesus say? He said, I'm going to breathe on you so that you will receive the Holy Spirit. Now go do what I did. You following me? This is our job and responsibility, and yet we've made Christianity so hard that we often get lost in the hardness of it. Sometimes, if I could be honest with you, it's overcoming the awkward moments 
to reach out. What did Peter do? And I close with this. You're going to come play in the back or whatever. We're going to go into whatever. This is, this is it right here. This is it. You're going to come right through here. Just go right up the middle, just like Ezekiel Elliott. Just go right up the middle. This is what it was, right? Peter had to awkwardly, because think about it. How many times have you seen him before? And I've never done anything, never done anything, never done anything. Peter had to awkwardly reach out. Peter had to awkwardly start a conversation. Peter had to awkwardly say a prayer. Peter had to awkwardly engage. Peter Peter had to what? Awkwardly go through the moments to get this guy his miracle and his salvation. And so it is with us. What if we killed and canceled awkward? And we started living this life that God gave us to live. Amen? Let's stand on our feet. This power is for us. Not just for the disciples, not just for the mega superstar pastors. This power is for you and me. Natural people that pick up our toolboxes and we become supernatural people. So this is what I want to do this morning. As we go back into worship, I want all of us here, I don't have to ask you to come to the front. We all can engage in worship. We all can engage in prayer and asking God. I want us this all this morning to get hungry so that Jesus wouldn't be hidden. Say, Jesus, would you not be hidden in my family? Would you not be hidden in my home? Jesus, would you take me, my natural, and put some super on top of it? Maybe there's some of those gifts that I read, those nine gifts that jumped out at you. Maybe you say, God, I want some wisdom and knowledge. God, I want to be used in miracles and healing. And God, I want an extra dose of faith this morning. All are in the toolbox and all are available for you to use. So, Father, I pray over this congregation this morning, this family, these believers, these sons and daughters, I ask that you would this morning fill us with supernatural spirit, that we would go out of this room and we would seek and save those that are around us. God, that we wouldn't be afraid, that it wouldn't become awkward, that we would kill and destroy the awkward by stepping out in faith. And as we step out in faith, God, we know you step out and you heal. You bring life. You bring hope. You turn it around, Lord. Cancers fall off. Deathness becomes life. You, God, you do it all. And we ask you in Jesus' name to do it among us this morning as we worship you. Amen and amen.